and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we're back. We're back. We are back. It is October, that spoopy time of year. It is. It... Man, it doesn't feel like October. It's still so hot. I mean, it's cooling down and getting rainy, but... It was like 90 degrees here still a couple no. weeks ago. I don't like it. You guys are lucky. It's been real chilly. Here, Carl, you guys got, like, snow already, right? Yeah. Well, it was snowing. We don't have snow. Okay. We've got. I've got a tree outside my door that's, like, bright, bright red. So it's a... Uh... It's a changing. I have a I have a secret scheme this year, Ooh. which is I'm I'm hosting a pumpkin carving party, so that I can secretly get all of the pumpkin seeds and roast them. I don't really scheme. care about the jack o' lanterns. I care about the pumpkin seeds. Yeah, that's worth it. I we so there's like a a little like cafe restaurant thing at where I work and I I get se- like several mass emails a week from the executive chef at our uh <laughs> at our workplace restaurant cafe thing and they're just insane like 72 point font all caps bright green bright orange text <laughs> we got pumpkin spice I'm passing out pumpkins. You can decorate them and bring them back, and I'm going to judge them. <laughs> like, what are you doing, lady? So that that was the thing last week was I think I think she had, like, 40, 40 pumpkins to pass out. Uh, the only stipulation is you actually cannot carve them because uh. then they'll just rot, presumably, mm. in the cafe, which they can't have. But what about what about that kind of carving where you like just like carve into the skin but you don't actually break the skin? I don't think I don't think you can do that either. I don't the I didn't I didn't ever actually see the full rules. I think I would have had to go and get a pumpkin to see the actual like mm-hmm. guidelines and rules of pumpkin, but send an email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I think that's okay. She always sends out these emails to like on Thursday afternoons saying this is the menu for next week and she always says happy Friday Eve and it makes me so mad because <laughs> you're reminding me of Friday on a Thursday. How dare you? Yeah. Anyway, those you are could my be closer to the weekend, but you are not. I know. Those are my workplace anecdotes. They're very interesting. <laughs> They're very typical workplace. Yeah. Anyway, pumpkins, that reminded we, me. We had our uh, co-working space that we work in had a Halloween party, and they just had, like, like clearly they have a ton of Halloween decorations that they just keep in a closet that they bring out once a year. So it's, like, jar full of plastic eyeballs and, like, giant inflatable pumpkin man and, like, goblets with skulls on them. Oh, man. We got um, a – I don't know if I mentioned this last time, if we already had it last time. I think we did. A, like, 
five foot tall plastic skeleton that we just have sitting in our chair. Yeah, you did mention okay. it. It's already broken. My boyfriend oh, no. my boyfriend like was trying to move one of its arms and just snapped the thing off. <laughs> so now we have a skeleton with its own arms sitting in its lap in our chair. Uh they have a, a, a surprisingly large selection of plastic resin uh skeletons at the grocery store. Uh, and to be fair, it's one of those giant Kroger stores that also has like a clothing department and a, yeah. and uh, Fred Meyer jewelers in it. Yeah. Um, so they've got a lot of like kitschy decorative stuff. But there are like dog skeletons, rat skeletons, cat skeletons, uh, question mark skeletons. It's a quadruped <laughs> of some sort. Uh, Maybe it's a horse. Maybe it's a goat. Who knows? Yeah. Can I get in the internet skeleton market? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Competition the, is fierce. Yeah. The high high demand skeleton audience. Yeah. Um I feel like a broken skeleton is not a worse Halloween decoration. Right? Like you can be equally spoopy with a broken skeleton as you can with a completely together skeleton. Yeah, my boyfriend put the the shoulder joint in the skeleton's mouth and like bent the elbow back so that the the hand was like resting on the top of its head at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. And we ordered pizza and the, <laughs> the pizza delivery guy, like the skeleton, you open the door and it's just, it's a straight shot to the chair where the skeleton is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I was just like sitting on the couch and the pizza delivery guy just said, "Is that a skeleton?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was that's gonna be the what rest you... of the year too. Yep. What you need to do is get like a stuffed vulture, and and like put it on the lap as and like have it be eating the broken arm. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a real good idea. Or like those. Crappy little foam ravens. I think they have those at the Kroger too. Yeah, we were we were talking about birds that eat bones earlier, and just cool birds in general yes. <laughs> before we started recording. Yes. And uh, Kelso is a fan of the bone-eating vultures, the bearded vulture. Yeah, their diet is like ninety percent bones. They do this thing where they, I mean, they're scavengers, but they they'll find like a bone and they'll pick it up. It's just, it's just like a, a big old like thigh bone. They'll pick it up, they'll fly up into the air with it, and then they'll drop it onto like a rock so that it splinters off, so that they have like pieces that they can swallow. Nice. And that's super cool. That does sound awesome. Yeah, they're so. Cool. And bearded vultures look so cool too. Yeah, go. They're just like real handsome. Go, yeah, they're super handsome. Go Google it. They're handsome. They've got good makeup and uh, pants. And, and facial hair. And facial hair. Yes. They look like supervillains. They're they fantastic. Fashionable yet dangerous. Yep. Oh boy, what a tangent. I guess we haven't started talking about the game yet, so nothing is a tangent <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mostly like don't have a ton to talk about from the past couple weeks, so <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit. I do I do have a like weird thing that I've that I'm wondering if it's a pattern in young adult novels that I've noticed because I really like this book called Carry On which I may have talked about on this podcast before um, that's like sort of a Harry Potter parody 
it's like what if Harry Potter were gayer, basically. Okay. Um, it's 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 a long weird story how this book got made, but like you can think of it as Harry Potter but gayer. Um, and the sequel just came out this month. So I read that in like two days and it was fantastic and I really enjoyed it. But it has the book has this quality to it that's like everything that I love that's like beautifully self-indulgent about fan fiction, but as original fiction. Hmm. Right? Where it's like, yeah, I know this is like cheesy and self-indulgent and unrealistic. Like, fuck it. It's a book. That's what it's here for. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so I, that's one of the things I really love about it. And then I just found on Amazon, because I saw, like, a Tumblr fan art, and I'm like, oh, what's this from? And I looked it up. Another book that's basically, like, exactly the plot of a fanfic that I read, but it's uh, it's original fiction. And it's called Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it's about, like, the son of the President of the United States and the Prince of Wales, like, get into a, an a feud online and then like secretly fall in love and have to keep it from their parents. Whoa. I don't know. It sounds amazing. And I have put it on my like to borrow from the library list, but I am hold number 48 out of, with 29 copies of the book. Wow. So it's clearly much in demand. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is like a trend where it's like the people who grew up reading and writing fan fiction are now old enough that they're like publishing their own original fiction. Yeah. And it's like super in demand because that's what we all remember reading. Huh. That's, that's an interesting phenomenon that I would love to see statistics on. Yeah. And I want it to continue because the like novel, the, the new novel I'm working on, it's like basically exactly fits that niche. So, I hope it's true. Okay, but how how much did you borrow from Emperor Teresa, Empress Teresa, in your? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I I did not actually continue reading Empress Teresa. I read like the first couple sentences, and I, you know that was enough for me. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. God, speaking of, there's like. Fan fiction is not like fan fiction has a bad rap, but there's and there's like tons of stuff that like I could point you to some really amazing fan fiction that's like better written than a lot of published stuff and like there's some really good stuff about fan fiction, but there's also some real bad stuff about fan fiction, and like I understand why it has the reputation it has. It's like a huge you know like puddle of things that like were not, not reviewed by anyone and have not been through any kind of filter. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of trash there. And you know, things like uh Empress Teresa are, you know, what happens when you don't get a lot of filters. Yeah. It's interesting though because like that that also exists just in the vast swath of self-published work yeah. on Amazon. Like I've read okay, so occasionally, look, I'm not going to uh, d- deny it or be ashamed of it. Sometimes I will read paranormal Victorian romance novels that I just find for free on Kindle because I've got a Kindle Unlimited subscription. <laughs> and oh boy, could every single one of those books that I've read from at least a handful of authors could they all could have done with uh, any proofreading passes whatsoever. Ooh. Just lots of misplaced, yeah. lots of misplaced homophones and. 
uh, like uh, missing an article in a sentence and just words that are spelled incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I guess you know, I can't be too mad about it. Self-publishing is good, mostly. I think. So. Yeah, I, I, I respect it in a certain way, but also like. I am a person who, like, greatly craves external validation. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I could do self-publishing, because to me it's like, oh, you failed to convince a publisher that this was good enough, therefore it's bad. Yeah. I also think that that's kind of part of the process. Is, like, to failing to get stuff to published? The, yeah. And having rejected. to go through, like, other people. Yeah, and getting rejected and then thereby having to actually improve your work. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, I, I like, I have considered the idea of self-publishing, but, like, I just really want some someone in a professional position to tell me I did a good job. Well, yeah. <laughs> And that's, I think that's the dream, but I also think that if that doesn't happen, hey, there are always other avenues, I guess. Yeah. And I trust you to have done proofreading, Kyla. Yeah, if I, <laughs> if I finish, if I finish three novels and am unable to get any of them published, then I might consider self-publishing. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, I've, I've finished one and a half, and I've started a, an additional one, so. Is this a series? No, they're oh. all independent, different okay. ones. Um, I, don't, I didn't. I don't know how that works. Like, if you're doing a series, do you have to have the entire series like at least outlined before you take it to a like? How how does that work? I think it it largely depends on whether you've been published before. Mm. Um, I think if you've been published before, publishers will take your word on like it's going to be a series. Um, if you haven't, probably they'll say like, all right, you can pitch it as a series if you want, but we're only going to buy the first one for now. And it has to have a reasonable conclusion, like in case it doesn't sell. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I, I'm sure like it's different from publisher to publisher because there's like a bunch of publishers have very different, you know, they're all like unique people who decide who they're going to gamble on basically. Um, but yeah, if it were me, I would say, like, only if I, only if you are a trusted author, will I, will I uh, expect to get like three or more books in the same series from you? That's reasonable, for sure. I have considered a sequel to my original novel, but also I kind of want to completely rewrite my original novel um, because I think I could do better. That's one of the like big unpopular sort of writing advice things that I've seen is, okay, write your book, now just completely rewrite it, and yep. it'll be better. Yeah, I got that advice from uh, Maggie Stiefvater when I went to hear her talk, oh, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I had been thinking of doing that anyway, and there are like a couple flavor things that I want to do more research and add anyway, so. Yeah, I think it's, it's sound advice, but I could see why it's unpopular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I already wrote that! You want me to do it again? It's so much work. But I actually find it easier to rewrite, because the hardest part for me is, like, knowing what's supposed to happen next. 
So if I already know what's supposed to happen, like, the writing part is fine. Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This is anyway. now a writing podcast. Yep. I will... I will... Don't tell my don't tell my producer that I'm working on a new novel because I've like <laughs> we have we're on writing deadline and we have writing lock in like less than a month, um, and I also have ten thousand words of this novel written. <laughs> Look, you gotta have stuff that you just do for yourself. Yep. Yeah. But I won't. Yep. I won't tell. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Carl. Carl's gonna be a jerk that way. Uh. Anyway. Carl, what have you been up to the past couple of weeks? Nothing. I guess it's time absolutely of that, nothing. That time of the year, we're all kind of going into hibernation mode. Yeah. Have you checked in on the Fat Bear competition? The what? The Fat Bear competition. It's a national. I think it's a national park or something runs it, where they just like take photos of the bears that are beefing up for hibernation for the winter and uh, everybody votes on who they feel the, is the fattest best they, bear. They announced the winner Yeah, uh, they did. Very recently. <laughs> Her name is Holly. Her name is Holly. She's a big, big lady. <laughs> yeah, she is. Oh, man. Good for you, Holly. <laughs> God, this, those competitions are so great. I saw a post on Tumblr that was just like, Look at this comments on this other bear, and it's all people, like, apologizing to the bear for not being able to vote for it. They're like, listen, you have the greatest ears, and I love you, but Holly is just such a much fatter bear. Oh, man. Oh, they even have a bracket. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Holly, fat bear 2019. I wish I wish they would, they would, they could tell us how much these bears actually wear. Where way? Uh, yeah, I think I think they try to. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they try not to interfere with the bears yeah. <laughs> as much as they possibly can. Oh, she's just a big, big lady. Oh Look man! Look how chonk! Look how chonk! She's, she's so great. Very chonk. <laughs> oh man, that picture of her sitting up. <laughs> What's wrong with people? What's wrong with? like appreciating a big fat chunky bear that's ready for winter nothing <laughs> you make it a competition that's okay the bears don't know whether they win or lose no exactly <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure it's like publicity for conservation efforts too so that's yeah. good no <laughs> anyway sorry that's just a thing that I feel the need to slip into conversation sometimes. Yeah. I forgot about the fat bear competition. It's always nice to be reminded. Alright, shall we talk about a game that we played? Yeah, we, we can do that for sure. That's good, because, guys, I'm excited to talk about this game. This yeah. was a really good game. Yeah. Real good. So what did we I play, was... Kyla? We played... Creature in the Well, uh, which, when I Google, like, I have autofills for some of the, uh, for some of the achievements, because <laughs> I was looking up how to get the last couple. Um, it is by Flight School Studio, uh, and self-published, I believe, and, uh, it is 
they advertise, um, or like I've seen it advertised as a pinball inspired roguelike, which it has, as far as I can tell, zero roguelike elements. So I'm really not sure where that description comes from. Yeah. Um, but the description as, as, uh, it appears on Google is top down pinball inspired hack and slash dungeon crawler. Uh, which that is more, that is more dungeon crawler is definitely more than a roguelike. I would inter- say, I would even say that it's almost like more of a shmup than a hack and slash. Yeah. It's, it feels like a twin stick shooter. Yeah. Except not a shooter, like a twin stick action game. Yeah. It's interesting. This is this is going to be in some ways a tough game to talk about because there's a lot of things about it that are that don't describe very well. You have to either see or play it to really understand. Yeah. Um, but take our word for it that it's a it is a cool game. It is so cool, man. Like I, I went into it being like this game looks cool, and. I was, like, pleasantly surprised that it was even cooler than I could have hoped it would be. Yeah! It's amazing. Yeah, I was I was like, okay, this is clearly, like, visually a very cool and well-polished game, but I bet it's going to be a little bit janky and, like, the difficulty level's going to be a little all over the place and it's, you know, like, we'll see if it feels as good as it looks but guys it feels as good as it looks it really does oh boy which is not I... to say it's not a hard game but carl <laughs> i'm on the opposite oh no oh. i went into the game like being like super excited because it looked really cool and was kind of let down but i think it was because of my expectation i think it was more i wanted it to be more action gamey hmm yeah, it's and it's it is hard to describe what makes it not action gamey because the gameplay is all action based. Like it's not really that puzzly, and it's not it's like it's all real time. But I understand what you mean. It does not feel like a- most action games feel. Yeah, I think I I was surprised by the fact that there aren't really any enemies. Everything is an environmental hazard. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I can't think of a whole lot of action games that have that as sort of the main uh, gameplay conceit. Yeah. yeah. It's what it reminded me of most, in as much as it reminded me of anything, which one thing you can definitely say for this game, it it's not like a lot of other games. It's very much its own unique thing. Um, but one thing that... Uh, shoot i started a sentence and then like midway through it um oh if if i can say it reminds me of anything uh it's hyper light drifter a little bit and i've seen that Um, comparison in a lot of places which is weird because like it it doesn't have a ton in common with hyper light drifter uh but it it evokes similar feelings to me in when i play it not like emotionally but just in terms of like mechanically um mechanically i I would say that it i got sort of a similar emotional feeling of uh a sense of um like loneliness i guess loneliness and ruin and yeah like isolation and sort of being the only one 
who can't yeah. do anything about the thing. Yeah, that's fair. It's It does have, like, it's got, like Hyperlight Drifter, it has its own, like, very unique-looking art style. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look like Hyperlight Drifter's art style, really, but it's, like, unique in, a, in the way that that was, like, unique. Um, it's also got, like, I guess the dash mechanic made me feel a little bit like it's about sort of quick reaction times and being very aware of your environment and sometimes like multiple things in your environment at the same time and being able to balance like when you move and when you attack is sort of the primary feeling of going through it. Mm -hmm. See, I would Uh, say it's a game about uh, kiting angry orbs around an (laughs) arena. It is absolutely a game about kiting angry orbs. That's what makes it pinball. That's what pinball is, right? Uh, I don't yeah. know. I I don't. That's I've a never, perfect description my, of pinball. The, pin, the pinball has never been pursued on the board when you play a real pinball. I don't yeah. think. That you don't be, run around and chase the pinball. That would be amazing tech, though, if your pinball could be pursued by angry orbs. Like on in a on a physical table, mm-hmm. imagine that. <laughs> the uh, although in this case it would be more like your flippers are pres- uh, are pursued by angry orbs, and, and your flippers can have free run of the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they can die. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, when when people say it's like pin, it's like a pinball game. I feel like most people imagine, like, a a Sonic spinball or a Pokemon pinball, which are, like, pinball games in which you play as the ball. Um, But this is, like, a pinball game in which you play as the paddle, but you're mobile, and you get to, like, run around. Yeah. I mean, it's not really pinball at all. It's just there's balls, and they bounce and stuff. Yeah, and there's bumpers. Yeah, there's the bumpers are very pinball-esque, and there's a certain, like, you, you know, like, try aiming things at like a specific location um that uh, it feels vaguely pinballish when you play it you can feel what they mean by like pinball inspired but it's yeah it's not pinball um it's not pinball it's not really a twin stick it's not really an action game it's its own thing yeah Uh, one of the more original games that i've played in a long time for sure yeah uh so in terms of general summary, it is you are uh, an engineer android, the last of your kind, uh, and you come to this village that is, or you were potentially already there. Uh, you're at this village that is surrounded by a sandstorm, and the sandstorm keeps them cut off from the outside world. And there's this giant machine uh, that is supposed to stop the sandstorm, and you are like the only only person capable of turning the machine back on because that's what you were built to do you were so you, you go, were an android who was built to work on this machine yes uh and so you go into the mountain where the machine is and you start working on repowering the machine but the problem is there is a giant monster that has taken up residence uh in the machine in the mountain um that does not want you to turn on the machine because they are they want the the town to stay in the sandstorm the reasons why are not fully explained i had like a weird sympathy for the creature i felt like it was trying to protect the village 
but they never really go I into mean, depth that would, why. That would be like the traditional, like your classic story. Yeah, I was... Like the creature having a motive to not turning on the machine and... And they really set it up um, at the very end. Like, there's a part at the very end where, you know, you're in the last segment of fighting this creature, and it says, like, you don't know what you're doing. And at that point, I was fully expecting the the machine, when powered up, to just annihilate the entire planet. But no! I know! I was expecting a twist of some kind, right? I was like, okay, we're going to clear the sandstorm, but it's going to turn out, like, it's post-apocalyptic and the rest of the world is ruined. Or we're going to clear the sandstorm and it turns out the sandstorm was, like, the only thing keeping out this, like, horrible invading force. Or we're going to turn on the machine and it's just going to destroy everything. Or... Yeah. Yeah. But no! You... You just turn on the machine and it clears the sandstorm and everything is fine. And the world is beautiful, yeah. It's, uh... I was getting near the end and I was like, I hope it doesn't turn out that the creature is actually the good guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's... But but I'm not sure I wanted this ending. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit almost like... I don't want to say it's a letdown, because I I liked the ending. I felt good Ah, about the ending. But, well, it's it's a letdown in the sense of, like, it did not match what my expectations were. Yeah. I was, like, expecting something more, um, like, undermining, twisty, like, different, <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of just, like, a very straightforward, like, yay, you did the task, and now everything is great. Yep. <laughs> like, all right, thank you. Yeah. For what it's worth, you don't kill, like, spoilers, but you knew that if you're listening to this podcast. Um, you don't kill the monster. You don't kill the creature in the well. You trap the creature in the well. And I think there was, in the, like, post-credits, like, series of illustrations, or during credit series of illustrations, my impression was that the very last one implies that you, like, go talk to the monster periodically. Oh, yeah, because it just shows him sort of going into the mountain. Yeah, it shows him, like, going into a pipe, uh, and there's, like, a a banner above the pipe that's got, like, a picture of the monster's hand and, like, a big no symbol through it. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, Which implies to me that, like, you're going off to to have a chat with the monster. Because the monster didn't seem, like, evil, even though, like... Uh, He tried to kill you, like, six times. For whatever reason, I, I also associate the monster with female. I don't know why. Um, but whenever I'm in conversations about this game, I always refer to her as her. <laughs> but, oh, that's um, yeah, I have no reason to think that. The monster is not given a gender, yeah. but, um, so, like, the monster uh, spends a lot of time telling you, like, don't do this, like, this is bad, and, and even says things like, you know, you, you guys were supposed to solve this problem way back when, and you failed, and so the village turned to me, and now I'm the only one who can, like, save them and protect them. Um, and the villagers apparently listen to the creature, mm-hmm. and, like, she doesn't kill you. Every time you, like, get destroyed in the in the thing, instead of, like, crushing you into dust, she just throws you out. Which almost makes me feel like she doesn't want to destroy you. Like, I get that they say that, like, she destroyed all the other engineers, but I get the impression that, like, she doesn't want to be responsible for, like, wiping out the last one. 
Yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that I think is intentionally vague, where it's like you can sort of read your own uh, mm-hmm. interpretations of it. But it's like the, the monster's motivations is probably the biggest one, and uh, the other one that is also never addressed is what what was what was this bot just doing running around in the like how did it get out there? Yeah. Yeah, how did you how did you wake up? Why weren't you with the other bots that all got destroyed? And yeah. also, there's a there is a frog janitor in the mountain named Roger Frog, who, is, um, who gives uh, you advice. Who is like the descendant of I think like the the lead, uh, yeah, not organic engineer on the mm-hmm. the mountain machine project. Yep. And uh, the there's also a um, alligator crocodile lady, alligator? yeah, <laughs> yeah, crocodile lady in the town named Danielle, who is the the smith who made all of your weapons that you use in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you have two. Sorry, I shouldn't be eating. This is an audio medium. That's fine. I had I have these delicious roasted squash seeds by my keyboard, and I just like without even thinking was like nom nom nom. <laughs> um, so yeah, Danielle made all of the weapons uh, that you use. You have two types of weapons in this game. There is the charge up uh, a sphere of energy weapon and the hit a sphere of energy in a direction weapon. Um, and you basically pick which one of each... You can collect a bunch of each kind and you pick which ones you want to use. And then like that's that's basically the whole mechanic. It's like charge like fire and dodge are basically the three things you can do and then the entire game is just combining those mechanics in interesting ways mm-hmm. and each each weapon that you collect has sort of its own little perk um which is mm-hmm. which is based i guess as far as i could tell on what sort of the gimmick of each uh uh, level uh, or like smaller segment of the dungeon, like what the mm-hmm. what the main uh, obstacle that is introduced in that area is, and yeah. there's like a specific like there's one area where you have to do a lot of like really precision aiming in order mm-hmm. to solve the the puzzles air quotes. So it gives you um, a charger that shows you, or is it the well, hammer? Like... It, it it gives you like a little uh, like laser sight that shows you. Yeah. Where exactly your energy beams are going to go. Which, that, that, those dual swords were my weapon of choice for most of the game. Yeah, same. Being able to see where you're going to hit is, like, a huge uh, help. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's a level where there's precision aiming. There's a level where things are, like, heavily timed. There's a level that focuses on trying to avoid hitting certain obstacles mm-hmm. rather than trying to actively hit the ones you want. You're, like, avoid hitting the bad ones. Yeah. That one was the worst, That I one think. was, yeah, that was my least favorite. That was, uh, oh, boy. The, the, and the, um, the hammer that they give you in that one is great because it's, it's just a magnet. So yeah. it, it keeps you... Yeah. Yeah, um, you. I feel like you can't do the boss fight in that section without, without that. Yeah, no. that weapon. That that boss fight was like harder for me than the actual final boss fight. I retried it like at least two dozen times, I think. Yeah, that was probably Wait, my what was favorite. the boss fight for that? Uh, it's the it's it's a bunch of like don't hit thing X. So there's like four of those like 
dynamite towers that uh, if a ball hits them, they like do a radius explosion um, and you have to hit a bunch of uh, bumpers on the outside and not hit, not get any ricochets into any of those towers, basically. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just hard. It's just very hard. Uh, but if you have the, if you have the magnet weapon, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I kept using this split ball for that as well. That seems like the worst one you can use. (laughs) Yeah, but a split ball is cool. Carl's playing on hard mode. Yeah. No fear. It's like when you play Breakout. You always want the split ball. That's really cool. I did like the split ball weapon. I, in general, towards the end of the game, I alternated between the split ball and the one that um, does like chain lightning. So when you yeah. hit a bumper, it also powers like nearby adjacent bumpers a little bit. Yeah, that one ended up being really useful too. Um, and these are these are all quote unquote hidden weapons, but like this game's approach to secrets is just like <laughs> yeah. so straightforward. Just like, Here's a room with a challenge. Yep. Maybe if you <laughs> try and do the challenge. Yeah. Basically, if you do all of the all of the rooms in all of the dungeons, you will find nearly every weapon and item in the game. Yeah. Uh, there's also like a, a set of cosmetic items you can find little capes that you can wear. Mm-hmm. And you can um, find old. Um old cores that you use to upgrade your own health. Yeah. Okay. Um, but... So I want to talk about the cores. Okay. Yeah. Do they increase your health? Is that what they do? I think so. It's... it's they, they this needs level. some UI. <laughs> yeah. No. We'll talk about the UI. Trust me. My, the UI is my one... Com- and one specific thing about the UI is my one complaint on this game. But we'll get there. Um... So, yeah, so I think the cores increase your health. They they say they increase your level, and, like, the only stat you have is your health. So I assume they increase your health. Yeah, and I, it, I assume so as well. And the it bar... didn't seem like it was more survivable once I upgraded more. Yeah, like, so. the bar doesn't get... Wait, does it... It doesn't, it doesn't get, get bigger. Yeah, the bar doesn't get bigger, so I'm assuming it is some combination of it is more of, like, a damage resistance. Yeah. And... I can't, I can't remember. Is the core tied to the amount of charge that you can put in your orbs? That might also be the case. It might it uh-huh. might actually just be that and not health at all. I can't remember now that I'm now that I'm trying to remember I can't. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's fair. It 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 felt like it was increasing my health, but I actually have no real <laughs> evidence to back that up. Uh, it also feels like you get like effect. two shots by towers anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, the towers are the towers are real hard. Um, it, yeah, it may just have been that I was getting better at the game and that I interpreted that as having more health. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right that they do increase the charge numbers that like how much charge one of the little balls can hold, mm-hmm. um, which also increases your general survivability because it means you essentially get through levels faster. Pretty much every level in this game is there is a series of bumpers that need to be powered. And you have to hit all of them until they are all at full power. Like, that's the goal of basically every room. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the the power nodes respawn over time. Uh, and the way to progress forward is always to um, 
like there are doors in the way and the doors require a certain amount of power. There's a few doors that like don't open at all until you finish the room. But in general, if you have enough power, you can get through most doors. Um, so you could theoretically just grind a bunch in some very safe rooms early on and then skip most of the challenges. But why? Because yeah, why? like the challenges give you the cool weapons and, and the like, challenges that, are the, that's what's fun about the game. Yeah, the challenges are basically the gameplay. Yeah. So like you're really you're really uh, missing out on the whole thing if you just grind in safe rooms. And also yeah. that would take for fucking ever. Yeah, it made me wonder about like what the ideal speedrun strats for this game are. Because I mean, you don't really need a lot of power. Yeah, you you don't. You end up with way more power than you need if you do every uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's, like, there's got to be some interesting routing you can do in terms of, like, which challenges give you the most power for the least time yeah. and, like, rush those. I would imagine, I'm not sure you need any challenges. I would imagine well, that you, that you basically rooms. skip all of the secret rooms, too. Yeah. Except maybe maybe for getting pores um, to, Mm. you know, make yourself get through things faster, but... Yeah, Yeah, and maybe there's, like, if there's, like, one or two special weapons that, like, really help to have... um, The the healing thing is uh, basically essential for the last fight. Yeah, there there are a couple secrets that you do not get by playing the normal stuff. One of them is when you power... When you finish powering the, um... The like basically the the power center uh, in the machine. It also powers the village outside, and then you can go outside and there's an open door that wasn't there before that had been locked, and you can go and do like a little extra challenge dungeon for a few. Like I don't think they do anything. You get a few like super cool looking weapons out of it, but as far as I can tell, they have no special abilities, so they're not really that useful. It's more a bragging rights thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's one cape that you get by wandering back out into the sandstorm and very cautiously finding your way along like the one clear path by trial and error. Oh, nice. Um, which I did until I got to the cape because I, I discovered there was like a rock out in the desert that I could get to. And I'm like, huh. It's weird that I can get to this rock, but if I go in any other direction, it, like, immediately voids me out. I wonder if I could, like, keep going, and then I found a second rock, and I'm like, oh, shit, there's definitely a path here. (laughs) And it's like, if you can get, like, four rocks in, you get to a cape, and if you keep going, um, there's actually another hidden path, which I did not find. Uh, I had to look it up later. Um, There's another hidden path just beyond the cape, the place where you find that cape. Uh, that takes you all the way back to the opening tutorial area, and then you can complete, like, a, a secret room um, where you get a helmet that you can wear huh. that uh, was um, the frog engineer's, like, prototype helmet. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I 100%ed this game, by the way. I went back and finished all of the achievements that I hadn't already gotten. Nice. Um, because I, I was so close to it anyway, I figured, eh, as well, why yeah. not? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, yeah, so there's a few little secrets like that. Um, but for the most part, if you just go through all the dungeons and do all the challenges, you will get all the weapons, basically. Yeah. 
or at least all the ones that you need to care about. Um, yeah. And then at the very end of the game, like along the main path, there's a uh, there's like a weapon that you can't miss, which is I sort of like the. It's not exactly a you just get to win weapon, but it's you don't take damage from fireball projectiles, which helps a lot. Yeah. Um, th- let's talk about the creature. Yeah. The creature is really cool. Um, the creature, you never see all of the creature. You only ever see its arms and its eyes. And I think that was, like, a great decision. And do we, is there a definitive count on how many arms this thing has? Lots. Okay. Many, many. Too many. <laughs> yeah. Too many. Most of the time it's only two, but several times it is way more than two. Yeah. Um, I think in one of the, and now I can't remember if it's like a, one of the end credit sketches or if it was just like a, a concept art sketch that I saw, but it was like definitely shown as having like over a dozen arms. So, it yeah, it can have many arms. Um, and it's just enormous and skeletal and it keeps like, you keep going through these areas in this cavern where, or in this mountain where there's like these big open caverns. And she'll, like, appear in the darkness and just, like, these glowing eyes and she'll talk to you. And it's, like, creepy and cool. It's And it's also just a really economical design because you've got yeah. one one arm that you've modeled and you can flip it and you've got eyes. <laughs> yep. And it's yep. still so effective. So good job. Yeah. Good on them. Um, yeah, and I, as I say, I felt, like, oddly sympathetic towards her, because most of the time she was, like, not actually actively hostile. It's not until the boss fights that she's, like, actively working against you. The boss fights are cool, too. They're, like, you come into a room with a platform, and she'll just, like, grab the platform and yank it downwards into a pit, and then you have to, like, uh, go against her in a series of challenges that are, like, you know, the the final version of whatever the theme for that particular dungeon has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can best her through, like, three or four levels, she will withdraw uh, and leave, and you can move on and power that area of the of the machine. Yeah. And it's... And they're, like, with the exception of that one that I had a ton of trouble with, like, I found them very satisfying overall. Like, I felt like I was becoming more skilled and proving my skill in the boss fight which is I feel like what is ideal for a boss fight. And it's it's a really nice like burst of extra intensity and adrenaline and it doesn't last so long uh, apart from apart from yeah, the like uh, unfair one <laughs> um, yeah. it doesn't last so long that you end up feeling frustrated like you do it you know a couple times if you need to and then you're done and it's like yeah I did it I did it Girl. And you feel yeah. really pumped up and, like, hyped to get on to the next section. Yeah, and one thing that's I feel like kind of cool is that there are there is some amount of order to the things you have to do. There's, like, there's a first node that opens up that you have to do, and then there's two more that you can do in either order, but then just, like, all of the rest of them pretty much open up at once. So you can kind of do the levels in any order. So if you're finding one particular style of challenge to be really hard, you can go back and, like, try a different 
node and like see if you can get another core and you know do something else if you want to yeah and and it's it's really impressive that they managed to balance well more or less, you know more or less barring that one particular dungeon they they pretty much managed to balance the difficulty pretty well so that doing them in any order feels okay, mm-hmm. right? Like, the challenges are just different. They're not really, like, one type of challenge is way harder. Um, again, maybe with, with that one exception. Um, but, yeah, there's some where, like, you have to do ricochets. There's some where you have to get things that, like, uh, hit, hit, like, very precise stuff. You have to do things within a certain amount of time. Um, there's ones that specialize in like certain types of defense systems, like the little, little angry orbs that chase you. Yeah. Um, just, just like, I, I really like the, the like progression design, the level design stuff in here. I think that that was like extremely well done. Yeah. It makes me happy. It's, it's a good curve and you sort of always feel like you're learning or improving, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Shall we talk about the UI? Yes. There's. I have exactly one really angry complaint about this game, and it is, why is this game so hard to quit? <laughs> and and it's and I don't mean that in a cute oh this game is so fun I couldn't stop playing it sort of way. I mean literally it's very hard to figure out how to exit the software. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's not that hard to figure out, but it's very much. Way too complicated. No, it's... Honestly, I had to alt-tab out of the program and look up how to quit this game. (laughs) Oh, no. Because it's, like, it's in the settings menu, first of all. Which, why is it in the settings menu? Uh, And it's, like, a tiny little button prompt in the lower right, where on every other menu, like, sub-menu that you go to... That that corner just has the back button there. So because I got used to seeing it, I stopped looking in that corner because I'm like, oh, that's where the back button prompt is. Unless you're in the settings menu where it shows the back button and the quit button. Oh. And, then, and then that quits you to the main menu, and then you have to go into the menu again and quit from there. I do. It, it is one of my pet peeves where... Uh, in games where you have to first quit to the main menu before you can quit out of the game. And in most cases, I will just alt F4 out of the entire thing at once. Uh. It it takes four button presses in in ways that are, like, not intuitive at all. And I don't understand how the rest of this game is so well designed, and that UI is, like, that UX path is so bad. Yeah. It's just confusing. I'm just... I'm so confused. <laughs> um, I, could, I could also have done with a hotkey to bring up the map, because I looked at the map a lot. Uh, it's, and the so, only... uh, it's so hard to see sometimes. Yeah. yeah I, I ended up looking at the map a lot, and it would be nice to have like not have to like hit the menu button and then tab over to the map every single time. If I could just like hold down the M button and have like an overlay that pops up that shows me like the map 
and then it goes away when I stop holding M, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Also, it doesn't help when the <clears throat> camera keeps spinning around every single time you move yeah. to another room. Yeah, they, they try and, and it's kind of interesting because I think the goal of that is to basically keep it so that no matter what, you are always approaching from the bottom. Like they like it to the, the way they make it feel like you're moving forward is that you're always pretty much going from either the bottom to the top or uh, like, I think, left to right in some cases. Um, and they they undermine that a little bit towards the end, where they do some that don't work that way, and it feels really odd. Um, but it, this does mean that, yes, periodically you get into curving hallways, and as you go along the curving hallway, it just rotates the whole camera so that it can keep you at the bottom. And that does feel very disorienting at first. You get a little used to it over time, but it's it does feel odd. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that is also... Um, controlling the camera angle so that it so that the backgrounds look the way that they want them to look because you can tell how specific um, like the visual the visuals of this game are when you look at the concept art and you realize <laughs> that the concept art looks basically identical to what the final product ended product up looking is. like yeah no um, listen which is impressive. I... I want to have sex with these shaders. Like, yes. not the person who made them, the shaders themselves. <laughs> They're like, these are some real freaking sexy shaders. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's... Did we say already that it's a real cool-looking game? It's a gorgeous game. It really is. I like it a lot. These are, like, it's 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 just nice. And it's, like, not... And I think I said this when we were sort of previewing the game last week, but, like, it doesn't – it's hard to describe what it looks like. It doesn't really look like anything else quite exactly. You can say it's, like, sort of comic booky in a certain way, but it's it's very difficult to describe what it looks like, especially what it looks like in motion. So I would say, like, don't don't look up just screen caps of the game. Look up, like, short videos of the game if you want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's neat. It's real neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we were. What were we talking about before we got off on the shaders? Uh, UI and uh, the camera rotation and maps. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It, make, so... it makes the camera rotation makes it to kind of have to like remember which branching path leads to where. Yeah. Sometime. Yeah. You you either have to like memorize the sort of branching paths. Uh, or you have to like sit and stare at the map and think about it like okay so like if i rotate it like 75 degrees this this way would be left so <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's not so much an issue in the earlier stages but it definitely gets a lot more complicated as you go on yeah and i had thought because it was advertised as a roguelike i thought like maybe the levels are actually like recombined like the rooms are all designed but the levels are recombined dynamically every time you play or something but that doesn't seem to be the case i don't think it is yeah given that i looked up a walkthrough and it was like oh the best place to grind for this is to like go into the third room in this dungeon like right past this thing and i went there and it was exactly what it said it was so which i mean is fine it's very well designed and i prefer like a well-designed space over a procedural space pretty much any any day of the week. 
Um, but it's just, it's weird to me that it was advertised as a roguelike. Like, you don't lose anything when you die. Nothing about it is procedural. Like, what exactly is supposed to be roguelike about it? Yeah. I wouldn't say that. I've never seen this described as a roguelike. It was on its own page, and maybe it's not anymore, but, like, on the official, like, description from the team was, like, a pinball-inspired roguelike. On the Steam page? Uh, I don't know. Or on the website. I don't remember. Um, I don't think it's on the Steam description anymore, because I think Google gave me the the dungeon crawler description from Steam. Ah. So, but, How does this game have mixed reviews on Steam? That seems wrong. I don't know. I could see it's it's a very specific thing and it's a very hard to anticipate thing. So if you go into this with like specific other ideas of what you want it to be, I could see it being a disappointment in that sense. And I also could see it being too hard for some people, because as much as we were like, like petrified that it was going to be too hard for us last week and then it ended up not really being like we are. I think all like pretty used to playing a lot of games. And if you're not like a really, you know, intense action game person, I could see this being kind of hard to get a handle on. I guess I'm looking at the reviews and people are saying it's frustrating, which it does definitely get frustrating at some points. I guess, Mm -hmm. I guess the, the, it comes down to uh, how much frustration can you handle and uh, persevere through. Yeah. And like what, how, how great is your desire to see more? Yeah. There, there's some like design changes I would have made to make it less frustrating, like running back after dying. Mm-hmm. Well, did you <laughs> did you activate the boss teleporters? Yes. Okay. But that still... one, I, I was happy they had those. But yeah, no. If you if you die someplace other than the boss, it, it uh, it's a lot of getting back to where you were. Yeah, and even if you die, bosses like if you die twice in a row. You're, it's getting frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that complaint. I mean, I I think about, um, you know, another physics aiming game we played. Do you guys remember Arcane Golf? How could we forget? <laughs> um, and that, in some ways, had a lot in common with this game. Um, except that, like, that was, like, not a level of frustration that I felt I could deal with. And I think the big difference between that frustration and this frustration is that in this one, I felt like I was getting better. I felt like I did that boss fight like two dozen times because every time I did it, I felt like, okay, I have a strategy to try next time. I think I have a little bit of better idea of what I need to do. And I just need to like practice until I can execute it well. Yeah. Right. I didn't feel like this is entirely arbitrary and I have no control over where anything goes. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely the big problem of Arcane Golf is the the yeah. well, the infinite granularity of your ability to aim. Yeah. Uh and and so it's uh it was uh it didn't and to be fair like I felt that way more once I started using the magnet weapon. I feel like that fight would have been like I might have been a stopping point for me if I didn't have the magnet weapon and if it hadn't occurred to me to switch to it. Um, yeah. Wait, which one? The one, four the one pillars. The, the the one where yeah, the one with the pillars that hurt you that you have to avoid hitting and the the weapon that causes the the balls to curve towards you. 
Oh, yeah, I unequipped my magnet thing for that. Yeah, you well, you had multi-ball on, which I don't understand how that's even possible. Yeah, but the magnet thing makes the balls, like, curve around and hit them from behind. Well, I, I felt like it gave me a more control over where the balls were because it let me catch them from further away. So I could go to where I wanted to be and catch the ball immediately. Um, and is is that the dungeon... Where like she just flicks uh, balls into hazards to hurt you, I think or is so, that yeah. only the end? Yeah, end yeah. Dungeon? I think, yeah, yeah. That sounds so. Good. You like yeah. Part of the dungeon is you have to be able to catch the ball quickly before it hits a hazard. And for me, like the magnet weapon was invaluable to that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, but I, I as I say, I can see how. If this, like, if you didn't feel like you were getting better, or if that wasn't the sort of thing that keeps you going, that this would be rough. Also, like, it the controls are unusual. Like, they, yeah. I, I felt like they felt good to me after I got used to them for a while. But the fact that you, there is mouse aiming, but it's not just move your mouse anywhere and it will point to that point. You have to like rotate your mouse like it's an analog stick to get it to to aim, which I think is necessary. I think if you could just point the mouse anywhere, it would be too easy. Yeah. Um, I think that would ruin the feel of the game. It's, but it's, it's I mean, you, you can do it. You just don't have a cursor. You can turn off, like, the smoothening. Uh, I, it still didn't feel like the same... Um, Maybe it's because the mouse speed is just lower or something like that, but it it definitely felt to me more like using an analog stick than it felt like I'm used to using a mouse in in the twin stick, like, say, um, Nuclear Throne. Where Nuclear Throne, I feel like I have, like, arbitrary pointing capability, where I can just be like, here's where I'm shooting, and now I'm shooting in a completely different direction. Whereas this one was like, if you have to, like do something facing up and then you have to do something facing right it's going to take you a moment to swivel over to the right oh yeah um but again maybe that's the thing that you can sort of mess with by changing some of the settings um yeah i don't know but you don't have a cursor it's kind of hard to keep a track of yeah that's that's true um yeah so it's hard to follow uh unless you have the aiming weapon, which... God, I which love is, that aiming weapon. Yeah, but it's only out when you aim in a week. Yeah. yeah and then like, you yeah, see the it. direction. Yeah. Where you're like, whoa, I didn't realize I was aiming backwards. Yeah, let me swing that around. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can uh, sometimes but... be, like, uh, a little bit difficult to just even to know without the aiming weapon, like, where you are aiming, because there's so much going on on the screen. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like one of the main uh, like action components of this game is just situational awareness, mm-hmm. which I feel like is one of the reasons they are so cautious and consistent with the way they they angle the camera, is because camera placement is a super important part of this game. Because maximizing visibility is a super important part of this game. Because yeah. things are going to come at you from all directions, and you have to be watching. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they did, 
they did a good job with some fairly unusual constraints. <laughs> Uh, which, you know, you could argue maybe there's like a better way of doing some of them for sure. But as I say, once I got used to it, I was, I was pretty pleased with, I didn't, I, I rarely felt like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. I, what even killed me? Yeah. It was always like, uh, I should have seen that coming. I'd like, that thing was powering up. I knew it was going to turn on. I just didn't like, I was focused on this other thing and I yeah, <laughs> like they, lost track of it. Like there, there are, so you have to avoid. Like, basically, there are projectiles and beams and, like, radial explosions. And all of them, like, the projectiles, for the most part, generally move pretty slowly. Uh, and the beams and the radial explosions all have uh, a pretty clear telegraph that gives you some time to get out of the way. So it's never, like, yep. it never feels like you've just been instantly killed and you have no idea why or what you could have done to avoid it. Yeah. It's always mm -hmm. like this. Well, okay. <laughs> well, the, yeah. The one exception for me is the the fight with like the fight we've been, that I've been complaining yeah. about because she flicks uh, a thing into the radial tower that makes the radial tower explode. And in some cases, there's so many of them exploding yeah. so fast that there's kind of no safe space on the screen. I would and say in many cases that's the case. Really? I didn't feel like that happened too. There's often, so many but... small rooms with like towers and you just have to hope they pulse won't bounce so they hit both at the same time yeah but at, at least in that case you do know what killed you you know yeah. what killed you but you don't <laughs> you know, know how to stop you know it. what killed you and you feel like or at least i felt like oh if i could have just like gotten over there and stopped the ball in time i would have been okay Right. Like it's it's my fault for letting the ball hit the thing. It in most cases in the game when I died, I felt like it was my fault. Like it was because I was not good enough rather than because the game was doing something bad to me. Yeah. Which is important. Which, yeah, which is important. And I can understand might not be the case for all players and especially might not be the case for all points in the game. Um, so like if you're someone who gets like easily frustrated with things like that, I can understand how you might you know, give the game a bad review. But I I loved the game. I am evangelizing this game to like everyone I talk to. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to get my boyfriend to play it since it is on uh uh Game Pass. Yeah, and there's not I'm not usually a like a person who is big into games that rely heavily on like skill and execution. Yeah. Like I play them sometimes, but it's not usually my preferred genre but like this game i had a ton of fun with and i had a ton of fun feeling like i was learning and getting better which almost never happens to yeah, me yeah i'm the same way it's interesting that this that we both have the same reaction to this yeah i guess i guess really slick visuals like will, will and, and, a, and a unique concept will carry it pretty far yeah and it's it's also got we should say a pretty nice soundtrack. Yeah. Like the, the ambient music is just like, it's not something I would like listen to casually, but it's very good ambiance for the, the game that it is. It's, it's like that, that sort of like productivity tip that I've read in several places before where it's like, if you need to focus on something, put on video game music because it's designed to make you focus and keep you like engaged in a gameplay loop. And this mm -hmm. feels like the exact kind of music that they're talking about when, when they <laughs> yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah. I I recommend this game highly. I, I like can't say enough good things about this game. Um, which, and again, you know, it's maybe not for everyone. If you are absolutely a person who like does not like skill based games or you know does not like execution based games and has a rough time with that kind of thing, or get, or if you get overwhelmed with a lot of stimulus, I did find like yeah. that's sort of like the main issue that I had with this is. Uh, uh, I think I think it's probably just like an ADD uh, inability mm. to like filter filter out yeah. stimulus thing that I have problems with sometimes. That like sometimes there's just so much on the screen and it's like I gotta like go into the other room for a minute uh, and come back. Um, and yet it's it yeah it's it's so strange because like everything pointed to me not. <laughs> Not, not being able to do it. Not even not being able to do it, but not being motivated to do it and not having any desire to do it. And yet, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, even even if this isn't your type of thing, I would say, man, check it out. Yeah. If I would say, if it's not your type of thing, check out a trailer. And if it seems like the like, tone and visuals are enough to convince you to try it despite that, like, give it a chance. Yeah. Like, if you don't like the vibe of this game, then you're you're not going to like the game, because it, it, it goes very hard into its own, like, weird, cool little vibe. So, you know, and that's fine. Not everything has to be for everyone if it does, if you don't like it, but, man, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think I think a big part of it is is also just being so surprised that I liked it as much as I did. That's making me <laughs> yeah. like really really want to gush about it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I would say of the of the games that I saw at Indicate and have played so far, like not Indicate. Sorry, Indicate's going on now. So that's what I'm having on the brain. Uh, Pax, uh, Indie Mega Booth. Um, this is like like first like real big success of the ones I've tried uh, and it makes me excited to try some of the others so well, I will get people to play some of those other ones at some point I'm like excited to try Mutazione but uh, that's not the game we're playing next um, Any anybody else have any closing thoughts on this one before we kind of wrap up nah uh. Carl, you have the, as usual, you have the most dissident opinion. So if you if you want to like counteract some of the things we're saying, ah, you good? Over overall, okay. did you overall did you enjoy yourself with the game? Not as clearly not as much as you thought you were going to, but yeah, yeah, it was fun. I just it, I would have liked like a more. I think of it as like react and act. Where you, in, in, in this game, I felt like I just needed to have a plan for each room, mm. and then just execute it. Oh, I see. So you, yeah, you want more like in the moment decision making yeah. type stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, so that's our that's our uh, coverage of Creature in the Well. Do we want to talk about what we are playing next? Yes. Honk. Honk! Honk. Uh, look. No, it's not a game about clowns. 
we could yeah we're playing dropsy finally i convinced <laughs> i convinced the gang uh no uh as if there was any fucking question what we're playing next considering how how hot and spicy the zeitgeist is uh yeah yeah guys we're playing untitled goose game uh yeah we are uh, uh developed by house house and published by panic inc uh duh idiots <laughs> I don't even need well, to tell you what the game's about. You're a goose. They could, they could be, they could be listening to this in the far future when oh, it's no longer in the zeitgeist. That's true. We just dated the podcast. <laughs> it's true. Uh, big, big podcasting sin. That's fine. I think we do, we do a lot of that anyway. I mean, we talked about PAX last last time, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. uh, it's we are we are temporally locating it. Um. Yeah, but if you're if you're listening to this in the far future uh, or the far past, um, you might not know that uh, the memes the memes about that dang goose they are all over the interwebs. Yep. God, just 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 geese getting in trouble everywhere online right now. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna be a goose causing mischief. Yep. With titled Goose Game. Yep. Uh. I'm, See what all the honking's about, I guess. Which you can you can goose. I think it's Mac, PC, and Switch currently. I think are mm-hmm. I think are your only options. So, yeah. Is it a, is it an Epic Store exclusive? Uh, <laughs> it might be an Epic Store exclusive. Is it? I thought I saw it listed on Steam. It's oh, on Steam, it's, but it's not it's, released okay, yet. Okay, it's the it's the listing. Okay, so it is an Epic Store exclusive. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's endorsed by Blink One Eighty Two. What? Uh, yeah, they mentioned it on stage at a concert. Oh my god, that's me. What? <laughs> There's a lot of celebrities been tweeting about it. Someone else, I forget who, some some famous actress was like tweeting about how hyped she is about Goose Game. Goose Game. Blink One Eighty Two still alive? <laughs> I know. I yeah. Know, I know. Um. Yeah, but. I, I forget which which one of them it is. Um, it might it might just be, well I don't know I don't remember which guy it is. One of the guys in Blink One Eighty Two is like uh, really big uh, into uh, aliens, and mm. uh, and finding proof that aliens exist. I hope I'm thinking of the right band. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, don't want to be spreading libel about. Don't want to be spreading libel about Blink One. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. It's uh uh. Uh, Tom Tom DeLong has started a, an alien research group. I see. Committed to uh, finding proof that aliens exist, which is this is a great episode for that that huge Venn diagram intersection of our podcast fans and Blink One Eighty Two fans. Yeah, <laughs> they're just learning so much. Um, I mean, if if they're if they're big Blink One Eighty Two fans, they probably already know. About. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. So we're gonna play it. Yeah, we're gonna play it. You should too. And uh, I don't know, maybe come on the podcast and uh, honk honk about it with us. Honk, honk with us. Honk it's... about it. Uh. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it is. This is how the podcast works: is we play a game for two weeks, and then we talk about it. Uh, afterwards, and if you want to talk about it, 
you are welcome to come talk about it with us. You have to spend these two weeks playing the game, and then you can come and, like, have a conversation with us. It's great. Yeah. So, do that. We love having guests. It's a great, it's a great time. Yep. For uh, us, and probably the guests. I don't, I don't think anyone who has come on the podcast has uh, left, left the, walked away from the experience just uh, upset and filled with regret. Yeah, so. that's true. We have yes. not lost any friends over it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you count Thano, who badmouths the podcast and every chance he gets on Twitter. Yeah, well, I think... We still love you, Thano! I think that's that's more of a Sundari thing, really. <laughs> he he is thing. the ultimate he Sundari. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so he's not going to hear you say that. It, um, it's not like I listen to the podcast or anything, babaka! <laughs> Oh, it's a real catch-22, because if he wants to yell at you for saying that, he'll have to admit to listening to the podcast. Yeah, I got him by the balls this time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, how, do they, how do they contact us, Kelso, to, they, to talk about uh, the podcast stuff? Well, if you would like to uh, contact the, the podcast, the collective podcast, uh, you can find that on Twitter, at Feedback Force. Uh, if you would like to witness uh, shitposting and mostly just nothing of any value, you can find my Twitter, which is at Kelso Time Bomb. Nice. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you may follow me at Kyla underscore go. If you want to follow the game that I'm working on that I have writing lock due for in less than a month, uh, you can follow at Wintermore TC. That's for short for Wintermore Tactics Club. Nice. Yeah. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Skug3. Cool. Awesome. That's us. That's the three of us. Yeah. And we like we like talking to people. So, you know, come talk to us. Come come do yeah, come hang out uh, of a Sunday. It'll yep. be it'll be good. Probably. <laughs> Alright, that's yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, that's it for us. We will be back in two weeks. We will be honking about Goose Game. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next yeah. time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.